Geekville Radio. Hello there, ladies and gentlemen, geeks and geekettes. This is Seth, a.k.a. Xandrax, and we are dusting off an old episode here for Nostalgia Trip because one of the things that's great about a Nostalgia Trip is when you know you've done a show that qualifies as nostalgia. And this episode is going to turn back the clock to about 2012, 2013, I want to say. And it is myself, Uncle Greg Okaba, and Jarrett Aubrey of Wrestling Brethren, then part of the A1 podcast and still part of You Just Got Fragged. And we roll back in time to... The 1980s to talk the Transformers, the, the rise of Transformers in the 80s and kind of the different incarnations. And yes, we do talk about some of the Michael Bay movies or Bayformers or whatever. This came out before the Bumblebee movie, which in hindsight is really the best of the live action Transformers movies. But we don't really talk about that one because it hadn't happened yet. So if you want to sit back and relax, we will hopefully give you a nice heartfelt tribute to one of the greatest crazes of the 1980s, Transformers. We're traveling back to the 80s uh, again This for this episode. Anybody, I think, approximately at or over the age of 30 remembers the, the, trans- the original incarnation of the American Transformers, which was, well, I shouldn't say American because it was still culled from a Japanese uh, cartoon show, but it was it was really ambitious for its time because it was a combination toy line cartoon series and comic book all unleashed at once, which I don't think had ever been done before. I mean, He-Man, of course, had the cartoons and the toys, but uh, actually, I think with He-Man, the toys might have come first. Yeah, because there were, I, if I'm not mistaken, there were uh, different regulations that um, shows based on toys couldn't be... Uh, made, uh, which is why G.I. Joe advertised their comic books on TV along with the toys before, or especially before the cartoon came out, but then eventually they kind of relaxed that, and um, then you had um, the wonderful stuff that we all grew up with, the Transformers and G.I. Joe and Thundercats and so forth. Yeah, and I believe it was the fall of 1984 was the premiere episodes, that, that miniseries, and I feel... Uh, like I might be a, a bit in the minority or uh, the, some of the weird outcasts or whatnot, but I seem to remember GoBots a little bit before Transformers. Uh, well, you're not wrong. I, if I'm not mistaken, the GoBots came out first. They, they kind of beat uh, Tonka, kind of beat Hasbro to the punch a little bit coming to North America. Although, um, yeah, their quality wasn't quite the same as most fans will tell you. But uh, the okay. GoBots were there first. I remember getting GoBot toys before I got Transformer mm-hmm. toys. When I was all of four or five years old, I remember getting a uh, scooter before I got Hot Rod. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I, I don't have to tell you which one I like better. <laughs> Saying that the GoBot toys were were less in quality might be one of the bigger understatements I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's why Scooter's arm fell off. Yeah. <laughs> and here's the the funny, mind blowing thing is I'm always been a fan of voice actors, and the voice of Scooter. I don't know if you guys knew who voiced Scooter for the GoBots animated series. Oh, boy. 
I it's I know and I just haven't thought about it in a long time. Greg, it'll probably blow your mind. Jared, I don't know so much about it if you know names, but Scooter was Frank Welker. Uh, you know what? That was going to be my guess because <laughs> I remember he had that sort of voice that Welker always yeah. did. Kind of, kind of slimerish, yeah. Uh huh, yeah. It was actually very similar to his Game Boy voice from Captain N. Yeah. Well, isn't isn't Frank Welker kind of the de facto answer? They're like, who voiced this? Like, yeah. Frank uh-huh. But yes, that means after Hasbro bought out Tonka, which I think happened around 1990, mm-hmm. uh, they kind of retconned GoBots to be some sort of alternate reality. So that means in an alternate reality, Scooter is Megatron. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe he's just got some. Uh, angst buried back in his psyche that just comes out in an alternate reality. You know, just can you imagine Scooter standing one on one with Optimus Prime, going, "When will stand?" <laughs> <laughs> well, it will be a quick fight, I guess. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Optimus would probably take pity on him, right? Yeah, <laughs> just to, come on, little fella. <laughs> we don't have to do this. But I guess it uh, it's it kind of segues into what the, my First topic would be, which would be early memories. Uh, like I said, I, I remember seeing the GoBot cartoons, or not cartoons, or commercials, uh, and then I remember seeing the much better produced Transformers cartoons, which had the full-blown animation to them, because it was part of that that launch. Uh, first, I thought, oh, well, they're just copying GoBots, but I, I guess if you do it better, I, it's uh, can't just simply be considered a copy. And then, of course, there was the cartoon that came on after school, in, uh, in late 1984. So, uh, uh, Greg, I guess I'll start with you as far as, uh, uh, are memories similar with, for, for you as far as that goes? Yeah, not too different. Uh, yeah, I was probably four or five years old and, um, Transformers were the new big thing and, um, I remember asking for them and then, um, I think it was Christmas of 1985. Uh, my older cousin and I got them and, um, it just, uh, kind of snowballed from there and, um, yeah, they were never the, um, for me, never the toy line that I had the most of, but I had a pretty strong collection of them. And as I got older, I realized that, hey, these were probably the coolest ones. And now I have a uh, pretty sizable collection of the old things, and um, I've got all the old, car- well, the old, the original G1 series in its entirety on DVD, which I still enjoy occasionally to this day. And um, I've watched a few episodes with my son, who's about the same age that I was when I was getting into them as well, which is uh, kind of neat to do. And, uh, Bought him some of the new toys, and um, as far as playability, they're probably a lot better than the ones I grew up with, but um, that's just as well because that means he won't be raiding my closet for the old ones. All right, all right, Jared, I think you and I are about the same age, so uh, how, how similar were your memories up there in uh, Canada? Yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty much it. Like when we, when we first got Transformers on the air here, I believe they were airing at noon, so when that that bell went off in school. I mean, I was probably four blocks from school, so I jumped on my bike and I hauled ass as hard as I could to get home <laughs> and, and watch, you know, grab a sandwich from Mama. She had it ready when I got in the door and I ran out from the TV. Wham! I just said Transformers, you know, gobble up my lunch and, you know, back to school kind of thing. But I remember, um, just, just really how cool these things were. Like there, there was GoBots, which, I mean, th- this episode is becoming, you know, you've got too many GoBots in my Transformers, but. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, they should never ever be mentioned in the same sentence. But uh, you know, yeah, like these things were like holy crap. These things and they changed form, and some of them were triple changers, and some of them combined into bigger robots, and it just blew my mind. And I remember going to the store, uh, you know, in the mall one day, and you know, there was a, a box up on the end cap of the, of the toy store, and it was Optimus Prime was there. 
Mm-hmm. Oh my God, Mama! Chris Prime, Chris Prime, I'm gonna have this Optimus Prime. It's like maybe that would be a good Christmas present, dear. No, no, no! I have to have it now. It's Optimus Prime. I have to have it now. <laughs> a good Christmas present, dear. <laughs> Just trying to reinforce it that it might be coming at Christmas. And I, I threw one of the biggest tantrums I've ever thrown because I wanted Optimus and damn it, I wanted him now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah they're, I, they're super cool. Yeah, yeah, I, I can relate to that. And I guess one of the other cool things about it, and why I never really got into that futuristic third season that kind of kicked off with the movie in '86, was everything went futuristic. Part of the appeal to me of those original Transformers lines was that they changed into cars that you would see every day. Well, minus guys like Jazz and Mirage who were race cars, but you know they changed into. Uh, Earth vehicles. Basically. Exactly. And, of course, the original premise was that uh, the Autobots were vehicles and the Decepticons were uh, war machines, essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, that was part of the premise. But, of course, that, that changed about the, the time the second wave hit when they started having Warpath, who was an Autobot tank and, you know, stuff. Wham! Pow! <laughs> yeah. Nice. Well, I guess that would lead us to then... Uh, who, who was the first Transformer you had? Mine was one of the Minibots... And he didn't really make much of an appearance in the cartoons much, but he was, I believe he changed into a uh, late seventies Corvette and his name was Wind Charger. Oh yeah. And I remember his only appearance in the Transformers the movie was his dead body, which depressed the hell out of me. <laughs> so, uh, Jared, I guess I'll ask you then, what was, what was your first Transformer? My first Transformer was Ratchet. Oh, okay. Yeah, and I was confused because the toy didn't have a head. Right. <laughs> it just kind of ended at the windshield where his chest would normally be. Yeah. Like, uh, Mom, this toy's broken. It's like, no, it's not. <laughs> it's just the way it is. And I, I was confounded for weeks until I figured it out. But Especially with the cartoon, because the cartoon had a head. Yeah. Oh, Great yeah. character, terrible toy. Yeah. <laughs> Same with Ironhide. Yeah. And they were clones of each other. Yeah, that was... He was missing his whole upper torso for crying out loud. And I, <laughs> I just couldn't figure that out for the life of me. Yeah. And they've since gone back and made... um actual additions you can clip onto the old the vintage toys to give them heads that actually transform along with them which is really cool but i have yet to pick them up i just i go to a few toy conventions a year but i apparently don't go to the right ones to get transformer specific goodies like that kind of like the sound wave that it has a little energon cube strapped onto him so it looks like there's an energon cube coming out of his chest Uh (laughs) uh-huh so greg what was your first transformer uh, my first Transformer would have been that Christmas 1985. Actually, there were two of them. I don't remember which one I unwrapped first, but um, I got Insecticon Bombshell mm-hmm. and uh, Astro Train. Those were oh. the first two I got. And my cousin, my cousin who's three years older than me, got Grimlock. And um, I think I, I mean, I kind of got hosed, but <laughs> in retrospect, but, uh, <laughs> I wasn't complaining. And uh, uh, he ended up, when he lost interest in it a couple years later, I ended up getting it anyway. So. Mm-hmm. It was uh, really not a problem. Uh, and then, yeah, the next year was when the movie came out, and I got Hot Rod and a few of the other movie characters. And um, yeah, we and I got an Optimus Prime, uh, maybe a little after that. And um, yeah, from there it just kept snowballing, and I would pick them up here and there. Yeah, I actually have the to this day I have the Alternators version of Grimlock, who does not change into a. T-Rex, he changes actually into a uh, late model Ford Mustang. I'm not quite sure how Grimlock equates into Ford Mustang, but it looks good. <laughs> you know. You're going to say no to him? <laughs> right. You know, it's like, hmm, me, Grimlock, no dinosaur. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, and then Grimlock was one of the few guys that like survived all the seasons and all the toy lines. I think he even made it into the uh, the, the post movie seasons, right? That he did. Yeah, he. Although I don't think he ever transformed into a robot again after the movie. Right. <laughs> they just stuck him in him and the Dinobots in Dino mode, and they kind of instead of being these um, dangerous big bruisers with short tempers, they were kind of the cuddly giants. Yeah. And uh, they even made it into the Japanese headmasters cartoon which is another mixed bag i actually i take exception with quite a few things that happened in that series but it did have its moments and um yeah that may be a rant for a few moments later here in this show yeah well, i do remember that there were they were trying to produce a series that would transition i think a mini series that would transition into the movie and the surviving footage is actually on the 20th anniversary and I'm sure subsequent versions later of uh-huh. the, the Transformers the Movie DVD. Yeah, that's the Scramble City special. Yeah. Yeah, because Transformers the Movie wasn't released in Japan until I think 1989 or 90. So, um, you know, they had, they got their first two seasons of the show and then they had the third season and they're like, uh, they didn't get to see what happened to Optimus and Megatron and like, who are all these new guys coming in here? And they kind of tried to bridge the gap a little bit with Scramble City and, um, it is a pretty cool, Special, it introduces Ultra Magnus and uh, Trypticon and Metroplex yeah. and um, maybe some others. I don't remember exactly, but it's a it's a neat little special for what it is. Yeah, and for those of you who haven't seen it, it does indeed have Ultra Magnus in it, but it's modern day. It's not in the future. And mm-hmm. it helps establish the friendship that Optimus Prime develops with Ultra Magnus. Even, I mean, they were both the same truck underneath. Ultra Magnus just had a, cool, just had a more complex uh, trailer attached to him, but... Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, and then, of course, yeah, it introduced uh, Trypticon and Fortress Maximus. Who had, and I always thought it was funny that in Transformers the movie, because by the time that came out, even in the the, the previous seasons, they'd already established uh, Bruticus and uh, I think the uh, Bruticus was was what the and then the, 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 the Menasaur was the Stundicons, I think, right? Uh-huh. Yep. Yep. Yeah, and uh, they they had both of those guys, but then they they went back to Devastator for the movie. Yeah, yeah because the mo- when the movie was in production, um, Menasaur and Bruticus hadn't been introduced yet, so Devastator still ended up being the heavy hitter for the movie because yeah. the other guys weren't quite ready. Yeah, because because they were producing the movie at the same time as the series, and the movie was just taking longer to produce because the animation was so much more in depth, if I recall correctly. Uh huh. All right, but let, we'll, we'll transition into uh, the next fun subject, which would be f- uh, favorite Transformers. And ah. for me, uh, my favorite, uh, um, I, I think I'm going to give one of each because they are just the, the coolest for each team, and I'm probably stealing some some picks here. But I, I think my favorite Autobot would definitely have to be Jazz, and that's before I realized he had Hong Kong Pui's voice. Uh, <laughs> Got to love Scatman Crothers. Oh, yeah, yeah, Scatman Crothers was just a big part of my childhood. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's that guy. You know, I can go on about movies he's been in and how he's pretty much good in everything. Like um, whether you say The Shining or uh, Black Belt Jones or or the, um, or the Harlem Globetrotters on Gilligan's Island. Or... <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, he, he was like 85 years old voicing jazz. I mean, yes, that's, he was. that's amazing when you think about it. <laughs> uh, but, and then uh, I'd have to say my favorite Decepticon, and I, I don't think I'm uh, pulling anything original here. Yes, he's voiced by Frank Welker, but actually it's not Megatron. It would be Soundwave. Ah. Because, you know, you got to like the ability he's able to eject tapes, which I know anybody under 20 is not going to be able to relate to, but <laughs> he, he had video, he had uh, cassette tapes that would 
you know, also change into stuff, and that, that was just beyond cool. Yes, indeed. He had an, had an army in his chest, pretty much. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, that, there was that scene in Transformers the movie where Blaster and Soundwave have a little bit of a throwdown, and you see all the little mini guys just running back and forth, you know, shooting each other like something out of a Tom and Jerry cartoon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, Greg, your your favorite, or and you can be plural with it. You don't have to eliminate it, limit it to just one. But your favorite Transformer. Hmm. Uh. Well, animated series, I'd probably have to go with Grimlock. Um, although not so much in the comics. I mean, it's funny because with G1, you kind of have these different, conti- different, um, continuities with the comic and the cartoon. Yeah, it was the same thing and, with G.I. Joe, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, Grimlock in the comics I thought was kind of a jerk. He, he was, uh, you know, a bit of an iron-fisted leader of the Autobots when he did take over. And, uh, but in the comics, or I mean, in the cartoon, he was more of a, uh, yeah, just, uh, he was an effective leader, but also uh, uh, destructive and hot-tempered and slow-witted and uh, pretty much invincible. And I found always found him entertaining to watch. He was like an angry grimace. You know? <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> yes, uh, laying waste to McDonald land. Oh. I don't know. It's yeah, yeah, hey, it's we don't know what happened to them. They don't show them anymore. <laughs> My son doesn't even know who Ronald McDonald is. Yeah. <laughs> he calls him the McDonald's clown. Yeah. Um. But aside from Grimmy, um, well, everybody loves Optimus Prime. That's almost the too easy of a choice. Um, on the Decepticon side, um, I'm kind of partial to Shockwave. Um, he was one. He didn't didn't really get a whole heck of a lot to do in the cartoons. Um, in the comics, he was pretty much a hardcore badass. And um, I think probably the best cover that the Marvel Transformers comic ever had was um, I want to say it was yeah issue number. Yeah, was that was that the issue where um, it was him when he wrote "Are All Dead" on the oh, wall? No, that yeah, that was that was issue five. Yeah, issue five. Okay. I, issue six was the one where it's Megatron and Shockwave, and Shockwave uh-huh. is blowing Megatron's fusion cannon off of his shoulder. Uh huh. So that, I think that was also the the issue that brought a circuit breaker, which yeah, I don't know if we want to get into that, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, you know, for this momentous occasion, I have actually put the batteries back into my vintage Shockwave toy, and I believe I got him to work. We'll see if we can hear him right now. Yeah. He's loud. Yeah. You know, I I could wake up all the neighbors with him if I brought him out at night. I (laughs) I might have woken him up now. (laughs) I did did have an electric gun that sounded similar, but it didn't change in anything. It just looked like your traditional 70s, 80s space gun. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, there were actually two versions of the Shockwave toy that most people are familiar with. You had the purple one, which was the actual Transformer, and you had the gray one that was sold at Radio Shack, which is often known as Shockwave by the fans. <laughs> and um, I think they were more or less the same, although the trigger was shaped different on Shockwave. It was um, actually a little more suggestive mm-hmm. because of where it's placed on his body, and um, you kind of have to pull it to get him to do anything. Well, look, look at where the trigger was on Megatron when he was in Robo- Robot. It's same, the same deal. Same <laughs> deal. Yeah, Galvatron didn't really have that, although his button is on his crotch too as well. Actually, if I push the button, I loaded up, I loaded up Galvy with, uh, I came prepared for this show. I brought <laughs> audio aids and I, I, I put, I put a nine volt in Galvatron here. Um, and, uh, he has three settings, if you can believe it or not. Hey, that was pretty sweet for 1986. Oh, wow. I don't know how well that came through. Okay, yeah, I could, I could hear all of it, yeah. It's just too bad none of them sounded like that actual modified fusion cannon sound like he had in the... 
Yeah. Well, he couldn't keep his voice straight in the show anyway. So yeah. I mean, in the, in the went from Leonard Nimoy to um, you know, a Frank hyperactive Frank Welker. Yeah. When he got brain damaged after Unicron blew up, I guess. Yeah. And one one other thing about Shockwave, and then I'll I'll uh, pass it off to to Jared, but that voice actor was Corey Burton, and uh, two things that he's done that are just he's one of those very versatile. Uh, uh, what would be the word? A prolific voice uh-huh. actors. Uh, he was Brainiac in the animated Superman cartoons in the nineties and through Justice uh-huh. League. And in the Clone Wars, he actually voices Dooku. And of course, just yes. does a Christopher Lee impression, which is uh-huh. an excellent Christopher Lee impression. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny. I heard that when he voiced Shockwave, he was actually doing an impression of David Warner, another British actor, which was, um, kind of neat. And when you, and I'd never thought of it, but then, you know, I actually watched a David Warner movie over the weekend called Waxwork, and um, sure enough, that's pretty much the same voice that Burton was doing with um, Shockwave. Yeah. And, uh, and then he even repre- reprised the role on Transformers Animated in 2007, I believe, which was a... I mean, that's might be my favorite Transformers um, series as far as cartoons go. I thought Transformers Animated was fantastic. Was that that wasn't the prime one, was it? That was the one that was before that they had Weird Al as Rekgar? Or? Right. Yeah, it had Weird Al as Rekgar. It had um, Judd Nelson back as Hot Rod. It had, um, yeah, Corey Burton back as Shockwave. Um, you had a guy by the name of David Kay who was Megatron on Beast Wars. He was uh, Optimus Prime. Okay, and um, see that. Yeah, Frank Walker. Frank Walker, was he on that series? I cannot remember. Um, oh, boy. Uh, I might have to use the Google on that one, but um, I, w- I don't want to hold you up too much. Yeah, yeah, you, you can do that, and then uh, you can Google if you need. And now, uh, Jared, your favorite Transformer or Transformers? Yeah, it'll, it'll be plural. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there, there's three Autobots that I have to rank right up there. One, obviously, being Optimus Prime. Um, you know, just one of the biggest, baddest, if he wanted to be, and <clears throat> just everything that he was was pretty awesome. Um, I also really liked Omega Supreme. Mm-hmm. Just for being giant and being a giant ass kicker was was awesome. Oh, I tried to put the batteries back in my Omega Supreme toy as well, and <laughs> it worked. And he can he can kind of shuffle along on, but the one foot the gear in his one foot is broken, and I haven't been able to find a replacement part for it. I believe I'll have to take apart another tank and um, <laughs> cannibalize it. But um, uh, his head lights up and it turns around, and he kind of tries to shuffle around, but he doesn't really make any noise, so you'll just have to take my word for it. Yeah. But he's here, and he's pretty sweet. He's bigger than Galvatron. Yeah, in my Wave uh, collecting days, Wave is in the old sound format that MP3 put him pretty much replaced. Uh-huh. Uh, I used to collect those for sound clips for my computer to you know to do uh, whatnot. And one of my error ones was Omega Supreme just saying, sarcasm, not appreciated. I have that on my PC somewhere, yes. Yeah. Wow, like mines. Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. Is, that is damn scary right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we probably got it from the same fan site. Yeah, probably. <laughs> that was going to be my next comment about how I liked how we talked. <laughs> yeah. This is his uh, staggered kind of staccato one-liners. Mm-hmm. Pretty awesome. Um, and the other Autobot that I really liked was Metroplex. Metroplex I got one of him is my place. kind of town. <laughs> <laughs> I can because I I kind of gravitated toward the big guys. I guess I'm not sure why, but because just he was so massive and he squashed anything he wanted to. And, yeah, it was pretty good. Yeah, I should give an honorable mention to Devastator on that note for favorite Decepticon. <laughs> I always loved him. You know? Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. Omega was pretty awesome. Metroplex was pretty awesome. Yeah. If I if I had to go to Decepticons, 
Starscream was always one of my favorites. And uh, probably, oh, how can I forget Predaking? Oh, yeah. Oh, boy, that sucker's worth a lot of money. I don't even own one of those. They're expensive. I finally got one last year. I got oh, it yeah? at a local, uh, local con here that happens every fall. Mm-hmm. Except I yeah, do have if- to replace his... Uh, he came with two right hands. I have to get it oh. off one for him. He might be able to swap with somebody. Yeah. And and then I remember in the comic series, uh, I think it was like Starscream. Like, I, I don't know if he made or just somehow controlled the Predacons and had them, it sicked them on Megatron. Uh, uh, I believe that was the Combaticons. Oh, okay. They were, yeah, Starscream's brigade. He um, stole the personality I don't know. They didn't call them Sparked yet. Basically, he stole the personalities from incarcerated Decepticon criminals and put them into World War II military hardware and turned them into the Combaticons. Although one of them was a space shuttle. Um, yeah. <laughs> pretty pretty advanced for 1941, I gotta say. Yeah, and a combat space shuttle at that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that happened in the comics, though, right? Is the Predacons went after Megatron? Yeah, I, mean, I should remember it being so. being a comic thing, but I don't think I. St- I'm not sure I still have all my Transformers comics. I'd have to I'd have to dig. Yeah, I've got them on my computer here somewhere. But now, of course, Transformers lay dormant for a while after the third season. It just kind of kind of fizzled out, and then there, there started to be other things with like Generation Two and whatnot. Actually, I think the first Generation Two they were just recycled G1 toys, if I recall correctly. Yep, they were recolored and had some new weapons added, and then even the cartoon was pretty much the. G1 cartoon with um, new bumpers added. Yeah. They added CG. There was a CGI opening with uh, Optimus stepping on Starscream. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, but uh, I, we were, I was hungry for Transformers again by that point, so I took what we could get. Yeah. And I think that was the one of the differences in the toy line was that was when we had the infamous Tank Megatron, right? Yeah, which, yeah, Tank Megatron is actually a really cool toy. Um, he's... Right now. <laughs> yeah, he's... Um, a lot bigger than Optimus. Uh, he's about the same height as Galvatron, I believe. Um, he's pretty impressive. And uh, I do not own one yet, but uh, that's the one G2 piece I might actually consider tracking down at some point. Two words. Yellow Devastator. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yellow Devastator, blue Grimlock. Um, <laughs> I think th- there was a green Grimlock, too, I think. Optimus uh, with the black trailer with the stripe down that had Optimus written on the side of it. Yeah, yeah. I guess in order to be conspicuous, he had to like plaster his name across the side of him, you know. Yeah, and if that wasn't enough, there was a little electronic pack that clipped onto it, and when you hit the buttons, he said, "I am Optimus Prime." <laughs> so you know who he was. Yeah, but it, we were ready for more Transformers by that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that that was around what ninety one, I think, or ninety two. I think I believe ninety two. Yeah, because um, of course that was still long before the internet came along and DVD and things like that. I mean, if if you wanted to watch Transformers, you either had to have a tape recorded from back then or, you know, fork over the cash for the, you know, the one or two episodes at a time that they would release on videotape. Yeah. Yeah. There's actually a video store in the city where I live here, in Butler, PA, that has the old Transformer VHSs in the big boxes mm-hmm. still for rent. I don't know how much longer the place will be open. I mean, we've heard all these rumors, but it's really cool to walk in there because they still have NES games and they have those and it's like a time warp. Do you think those cassettes actually still work? <laughs> um, uh, probably. I mean, they might uh, crud up your VCR, but because um, <laughs> they really tend not to age too well. But um, uh, the older VHS tapes, I think, do play fairly well because they were made of a little higher quality material. But um, I haven't rented any of them to try. Um, 
And if I could, if they start selling off the place and they have them for dirt cheap, it's going to be hard for me to pass them up because the box art was so sweet. But um, I don't know where I'm going to store them if I do buy them. That's uh, the eternal problem I have with collecting cool junk like that, you know. Yeah, it looks like the main difference between the Generation 2s was that the cartoon was just the rehash of the old cartoon, but the the toy line and the comic series uh, was more uh, original stuff. Because I do remember, I think G.I. Joe in the comics was still running at the time. Yep. And they used that to retransition in Transformers. Uh-huh. I know I, I think my G.I. Joe collection goes up to about, Issue 60, I think, 60 or so. Whenever, whenever they had the reborn Cobra Commander that had the, the, uh, round thing that would just jump up and down, like didn't have much in the way of weapons. It was just like a round bubble that he'd just hop around in. Oh yeah. Yeah. That, that was, that was about the time I was like, okay, yeah, this is just getting kind of lame here, but, <laughs> and, the, and then lo and behold, I'm at my local comic store years later and I see G.I. Joe like hundred something and flips in and, you know, and it's like, oh, Megatron's back. Mm-hmm. They're, they're bringing back Transformers. Okay. So I guess neither one of us have uh, too many fond memories of Generation 2 because it just really was kind of short-lived then, right? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I was getting to the age where I um, didn't – where it was uh, – yeah, I was getting interested in sports and a few other things. And, uh, yeah, it was just a, kind of a rehash. It didn't really uh, have enough um, new substance to stand on its own, I guess. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, that kind of fizzled out and uh, – Transformers actually was better off for it because of what came after, I thought. Yeah. And then the next kind of revival of Transformers was Beast Wars, Beast Machines. Beast Wars, yeah. Beast Wars, Beast Wars up, Beast Machines down. That's how I would describe it. Uh, Beast Wars was fantastic, I thought. Um, Beast Machines was not so fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do recall them having a Megatron that was actually competent. You know, his plans actually worked from time to time rather than mm-hmm. beaten at the end of every 22 minute episode. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He was a very effective. And yeah, that show was kind of unique because they didn't bring on every character that was made as a toy. There were, they, they only used about half of the ones that were produced as toys. And so they were able to develop their characters a little bit more mm-hmm. and, um, do more with them. And, um, it, I mean, the series even tied into G1. Yeah, that, that was actually where I was going with it. Was it actually was in continuity because it took place in the future or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, and it took place in Earth's past, and yeah, they ended up finding um, the Ark, you know, the Autobot ship that had crashed, and um, that was the um, cliffhanger to I think the end of season two when Megatron found the Ark and uh, blew Optimus Prime's head off and created a time storm where the Autobots had lost the Great War and. Um, uh, the Maximals no longer existed, and so uh, Optimus had to hurry up and uh, pull Prime Spark out of his body so he didn't die, and so they could repair the repair his body and mm-hmm. get everything back to normal. And it was yeah, things like that. Like yeah, Megatron and Beast Wars got stuff done. Mm-hmm. And of course, uh, Beast Wars and Beast Machines they, it was produced by Mainframe Entertainment, which is the same company that did uh, Reboot. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And they they are actually Jared. They are based in Vancouver, British Columbia, so they are Canadian. Yes, so. Uh, well, I guess they're known as Rainmaker now, but back then they were called Mainframe. So they'll always be Mainframe to me. Yeah. <laughs> I just went to look at something in in my comics while you guys were talking, and I stumbled across a fantastic directory on my PC, and I'm really happy now that we're having this discussion. <laughs> Day, an Autobot shall rise from our ranks <laughs> and use the power of the Matrix to light our darkest hour. There's like literally a, literally a hundred sound clips in this directory. This is awesome. 
didn't know I had it. <laughs> I was about to say, I, I wore out the audio tape and later CD of the, uh, the, the uh, soundtrack, cause just because it actually was a pretty cool soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very good work by Vince DiCola, who also did Rocky IV. Four, yeah. And you had songs by uh, Stan Bush, who, yeah, he, he's probably most known for the touch. He also did songs for uh, uh, Bloodsport with Jean-Claude Van Damme. Yes. And, um, oh, boy, uh, there's another, and it's on the tip of my tongue. I can't yeah. remember it. There, there is a fun edit. Well, it's not an edit. There, there's a fun version of the song Dare. And you, you, I think you could probably put it together with the version in the uh, – soundtrack and put it together with the song i believe escape which is uh, you know one of the vincicola tunes for background for battles but mm-hmm. it has the same beat and same key as dare so it kind yeah. of goes together to make like a big instrumental and there's a version out there that was done at one of the bot cons stan bush performed uh, with vincicola and they, they do that. He does, he does dare. And then there's like a nice two or three minute jam that's escape. And then he goes back into dare. It's, mm-hmm. and, and it even ends on a, uh, kind of slow, dramatic thing. It's, you know, kind of, kind of actually quite emotional. Yeah. But, and that's, that's just the greatness of Stan Bush. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Another similarity that, um, comes to mind when you talk about Vince DiColo is, um, if you compare Unicron's theme to Ivan Drago's theme, <laughs> um, it's pretty much, um, pretty much identical um i may have them on my pc here but um it would take me a little while to dig them up and uh, uh they're both on youtube i believe so yeah one non-transformers thing about the uh soundtrack is the band on there that was credited as specter general mm-hmm. they did uh, in the instruments of destruction and hunger that was not the band's real name the, the band yes. still exists to this day their real name was kick axe yep but they couldn't really market a uh, soundtrack to kids that had a band called Kick Axe on it, so they just decided yeah. to call Spectre General, which actually I thought was kind of a cool name in its own right. But. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a decent name. Yeah, the other band, the band that did the Transformers theme for the movie was called Lion. Yeah, and they did a song for one of the Friday the Thirteenth movies for the final chapter, which was part four that had Corey Feldman and Crispin Glover in it. Mm-hmm. Um, they did a song. Um, there's a scene with Crispin Glover's character. Uh, dancing at a party, and he puts on a song by Lion and starts uh, spazzing out. And um, it's one of the more memorable scenes in the film. And um, it's kind of a neat, kind of neat that they uh, there's a little connection between Friday the Thirteenth and Transformers there because of that music. What year was Friday the Thirteenth for? Was it would that would that have been the same year or? Uh, it was a couple years before. It was 1984, I believe. Oh, okay. Yeah, because yeah. I, I was about to say, if that came out the same year, boy, they would have had a, a nice uh, double shot, two punch for their the concerts they do. Because it's like, wow, mm-hmm. the song from Transformers and that Friday the Thirteenth. <laughs> yeah. And then of course there was the other uh, pop metal band, White Lion. All they had to do was add White yeah. to the name, and they had a, a big hit song. So. Yeah. Yeah, I bet there was a little. I don't know. I don't know how big Lion got compared to White Lion, but uh, you have to wonder if <laughs> there was a little rivalry there. Yeah. They, they stole our name, man. <laughs> but I believe after. Beast Wars, Beast Machines, that's kind of where they really only lived in comics for a while with the Dreamwave and IDW comic series. And I believe it was the uh, – I, I used to get them confused, the IDW and the Dreamwave, but they, there was ones that really had some good artwork in them. I want to say it was the Dreamwave. Uh, and um, I don't really have all – so I didn't really get, get a gist of how good the story and the writing was. But it seemed to be kind of like when they were redoing G.I. Joe at the time, too. It was – a continuation of G1 and not 
not just a, a reboot. And I think that was the one, I think Crazy Dan or Doc Savage now would post it from time to time, but it has Optimus Prime by himself taking down Devastator. Oh, okay, yeah. Which is still just one of the, all you need is the touch playing, you know, it is. It's believable. Yeah, yeah, cause you know, if the, if the touch is playing, Optimus Prime is invincible. Yeah. Uh-huh. Just yeah, gonna, when, when the song's over, he's. Rewind on that tape, you know, and he'll. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah, so they had some really nice, uh, artwork in those books, and yeah, that was when the 80s nostalgia started to really boom, I think. Because I think the 80s, the 80s kids just grew up and started getting jobs, so they started yeah. recycling the 80s stuff. Uh-huh. And, and they did have Transformers animated series going at the time. There was Transformers Robots in Disguise, which was the Japanese Transformers car robots dubbed in, which was where you had, uh, Optimus Prime and Ultra Magnus as kind of rivals, and they could combine into one giant robot. And, um, oh, and, yeah. they, and, and they had the annoying kids that are in every Japanese animated series, right? Yeah, which is, um, reason to stay away from them for some fans. Yeah, because this is bringing back memories now, because I believe I was working retail at the time, and, uh, it must have been on a Saturday, because that, that show was on, and Optimus Prime was battling, I think he was just called Sharkticon. Uh huh. And it was underwater, and, and, in true Japanese animated style, Sharkticon is in his shark form, and he basically spears Optimus Prime. And as he's spearing him and pushing him up against a coral reef or a uh, an ocean wall, he goes, "Ha ha, Optimus Prime, you can never defeat me. I'm the king of underwater combat." <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like <laughs> you know, it goes through that whole practical soliloquy of bragging about himself. You think he just Optimus Prime would all had all the time in the world just to smack him away? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So that kind of um I mean, you know, people, it, it, I mean, that series isn't real memorable today, but, um, I mean, some people greeted it with open arms because Beast Machines had been kind of crummy and, uh, the, uh, truck not monkey mm-hmm. fan base was starting to get a little bit louder, a little more vocal that they wanted their old Transformers back. And, uh, so we got that. And then we had the, uh, Armada, uh, Energon Cybertron trilogy. I don't remember what order they went in. I only followed it very loosely. Was that was that the Unicron trilogy or? Yeah. Okay. Uh, and which which I think maybe the most notable uh, thing that gave us was an actual Unicron action figure, which I have stashed in my closet as well here, and yeah. uh, it's a thing of beauty even to this day, and it matches the movie fairly well. I mean, even though it was made after the um, animated series, it, I mean it looks pretty darn good. They didn't really change his um, character design all that much, and he's got articulated fingers, so you can make him. Do all kind of ridiculous things you want. Boy, that that would have been fun at eight years old because you know what you could do with opposable individual fingers. Uh-huh. <laughs> Just have your robots flip the finger to everybody. <laughs> oh yeah, it's a temptation I could not resist. <laughs> Although more often than not, he was given the metal horns. You yeah. know, so it was like Dio Unicron. Well, did did the thumb work too? Um, it went side to side. It didn't really turn, so it, he couldn't oh. really do a proper um metal horns. I don't know. It was maybe more like uh. Stan Hansen's version, <laughs> well, uh, which is all right. Yeah, well, I, was just, I was just thinking if he if he could do a thumbs up. Yeah, um, not quite. Um, well, it's it's yeah, because it doesn't quite have the one um, joint to make it point upward. Um, see, it's it's kind of crude. Yeah, but uh, he's uh, still a heck of a toy, and he's pain in the butt to transform. I will say. Yeah, I would imagine you'd, you'd probably have to take time out for lunch to transform a Unicron figure. <laughs> Yeah, it's, I mean, it's like, it's not difficult in concept because you're just kind of wrapping his legs up around him and, you know, putting his arms in and, uh, uh, turning the head down. 
and uh, kind of rolling them up in a ball, but to get everything in place precisely so it clicks into place and you can actually proceed to the next step, that can be um, a little challenging. So, Jared, I know we've been kind of jabbering for a bit. Do you, do you have any memories, as, at least as far as any of the animated series you were talking about? Um, I I like the uh, you know the the Unicron trilogy. I was really happy to see him back. Is like I said, I, I like the the big bad mofos, and he was the biggest baddest mofo there was. So that was kind of cool. Um, I really liked actually the the Transformers animated that mm-hmm. I mentioned before. Yes. Like one of the better, if not the best. I I would put Transformers Prime up against it. Yeah, that was going to where I was going to go next was was Prime. Yeah. But uh, two of my favorite toys actually are the Optimus Prime from Animated and Megatron from Animated. They're they just look so good. They look almost like they're animated on my shelf. Like they're they're so true to the the TV version that they they look really good. They are quite good. Because yeah, I remember the hype for Transformers Prime. Because uh, I remember it it it, it, uh, it was probably just one of those intentional leaks, but. It got out there that Peter Cullen and Frank Welker were recording lines opposite each other. So of course all the fanboys are going to be like, okay, well, who's who? Who do you think of? Do you think Peter Cullen talking to uh, uh, Frank Welker? You know, it's over, Prime. You know? and, and of course it, that came to be. Peter Cullen was back as Optimus, and uh, Frank Welker was back as uh, Megatron, and The Rock was Cliffjumper for one whole episode. Yeah, or not probably not even that. It was more like. Few minutes. At the start. Yeah, and then, yeah. And he, I remember, and th- this is almost downright mean in a way. But uh, a uh, uh, my brother was uh, dating a gal at the time, and she's just this huge rock fan, just just loves the rock and this and that. So I sat down and started watching Transformers Prime, and of course she recognized the rock's voice, and you know, and then he dies shortly after. <laughs> and you know, I, I just kind of got a chuckle out of that. <laughs> I think that's the only rock role that I can think of where he dies. I don't know if he dies in any of his movies. Well, he obviously dies in uh, Scorpion, Scorpion King. King, yeah. But uh, uh, other than that, I think that's really the only role I can think of where he, where he dies. Yeah, yeah, he seems to stay alive. Um, uh, I don't know why that is. I guess because he's usually... Uh, usually the leading man material, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I guess the the final subject we'll get into, and this may be a touchy subject, but that being the recent live-action movies. Because <laughs> I, I will say this, I remember liking the first one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so I, because I accepted it for what it was. It was a retelling of Transformers as they were done now. You know, I, I, I there, it would be foolish of me to expect them to have Blue Streak change into a 1978 Datsun. You know, that, that uh-huh. was silly. Uh, I, I do, or I always will have the soft spot in my heart for the red, flat-nosed Cabo repeat uh, uh, Optimus Prime. That'll always be Optimus Prime to me. But you know. They they don't make movies for us old geezers. They make movies for for the kids. Yep. And uh, yeah, so like I said, the first one I I thought was all right, and uh, the second one was kind of downhill. And to this day, I haven't seen a third one, and I just kind of relied on Jarrett's uh, retelling of it because I know he liked. Uh, I know I know you liked the third one, right, Jarrett? Yeah, the third one was pretty badass. And, and of course, it has Leonard Nimoy in it. So if you if you ever get a Sentinel Prime action figure and stand it next to Galvatron, you know you can have a. Nimoy versus Nimoy. Uh. Yeah, I do have a Sentinel Prime over here in uh, my son's toy box. I would have to dig it out, but it is there, and I could put it next to Galvatron. He'll come up to about his knee. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, I enjoyed the um, first Transformers movie uh, pretty much for the same reasons you said. Uh, the second one, I think, well, the excuse they gave was that it was affected by the uh, Writers Guild strike, but um, uh, take that for what it's worth because it was uh, 
pretty rough, I thought. But uh, um, yeah. the third one, I thought, was a uh, definite improvement. Um, I loved all the references to the G1 episodes. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, we'll see where they go from there. Um, I don't know if we'll get a fourth one or a reboot or what. Uh, well, we are getting a fourth one. I don't know if it's a reboot. Uh, Bay's still doing it, but it doesn't have the beef or uh, Megan Fox in it. So, uh-huh. um, well, Jared, you probably know more than than we do about it. But uh, uh, Mark Wahlberg is the lead, yeah. if I recall correctly. Hmm. And there there are some pictures out there. They're actually in the uh, Transformers. I think we have a tra- well, we have a Transformers thread in the Geekville forum, right? That that has the the pictures where it has. Uh, Bumblebee actually has a '69 Camaro, not a not a modern Camaro, if I recall correctly. And the, you know, in the new the yeah, I think he's a '67 in the new one. Okay, and uh, there there is a, uh, a Corvette that we were wondering who he's going to be, and then there was a blue uh, Bugatti, who I was speculating might be Blue Streak since he's blue. Uh-huh. So if you haven't been to that thread there, uh, uh, Greg, check it out. I will check that out very soon. Yeah, yeah. You know, funny thing is, <laughs> true story. My uncle just restored a yellow. Uh, Camaro, I forget what year it's from. I believe it was um, late 60s, early 70s, though. And so, um, hmm, I don't know if it'll get any movie extra work if they do any filming in Pittsburgh, but uh, you never know. Yeah, yeah uh, that, I mean, I will say that was the only, the main gripe I have about the Transformers movies is that um, they changed the characters from what they were originally um, known as. Like, um, I mean, making Sideswipe silver instead of red for no apparent reason. I mean, you, it made it hard to recognize who these characters were that they were bringing in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, reason for that. It's the same reason why Optimus Prime was a mix of blue and red. Apparently red is next to impossible to do properly in CGI. Oh, really? Yeah. That's why we got the, the blue on, or the overwhelming blue on, on Prime's cab was, um, I remember Michael Bay saying that in an interview that, uh, that gloss red is, is just so hard to do that they tried not to do it as much as possible. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what's the alternative? Practical special effects with giant models, you know? We, <laughs> yeah. We, we, that might actually be cooler to watch, I would think. But uh, what do I know? I'm an '80s B movie buff, so I mean, I, I would have loved to have seen practical, more practical effects in it. But uh, I don't know how the budget would go, and I don't, I don't know. Hollywood seems to poo-poo that anymore. Yeah, yeah. Hollywood does seem to have their own way uh, of uh, butchering things. It's. Uh, I'm just happy. At, at least we got. One good franchise that Hollywood didn't seem to mess up too much with a lot of the Marvel, uh, uh, a lot of recent Marvel films. But uh, uh, any any uh, closing comments about Transformers before we wrap this up here? Uh, I, did I mention Transformers Animated was awesome? <laughs> yes, I did. And how I bought the, um, I got a good deal on uh, darn near every character except Weird Al, um, and so I bought most of them. And my son played with them like crazy and. Um, I still have the parts for most of them, but um, they're made to come apart, which is very nice. Um, they, the, as far as playability, they have it all over my originals. I mean, the old ones would just break. These ones will pop apart, and you can put them back together, uh, which is very nice. But um, I don't know if I ever quite got over animated being canceled ahead of its time because they, I believe they had a fourth season um, planned out, and uh, it would have been interesting to see what they did. But I'll probably always be a Transformers fan to some degree. Jared, any closing thoughts? Um, just really to say, like, probably the coolest, I think, franchise is the right word, I guess. But just like I was, we said at the top of the show, that you had these, you know, the whole storyline, you had these robots that showed up with a great backstory from Cybertron that turned into into vehicles. That whole concept just 
absolutely blew my mind as a kid and um you know it stayed with me you know oh, I'm a geek at heart but I mean it's I'm 38 now and I'm still a Transformers freak so you know I've got I'm going to guess probably close to 600 toys I'm guessing in there somewhere so yeah no, you got me beat <laughs> Um, you know, it's just one of those things that, you know, that stayed with me and was, was really cool and I'm probably going to, uh, enjoy and remember fondly until I, until I croak. So, very, very cool on the Transformers boys. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and there you have it. A little peek back to circa 2013 with yours truly, Uncle Greg and Jarrett Aubrey talking Transformers and I, I, to this day, I'm still a Transformers fan at heart, so we're probably going to do something else uh, in, in the future. I know I've been watching the War for Cybertron trilogy on Netflix, so if you're a Transformers G1 fan, you might want to seek that out on Netflix. It's called the Transformers War for Cybertron trilogy. I think they've got two parts out now. But this has been Nostalgia Trip. This is a spinoff of Geekville Radio. You can find all of our shows on the podcaster of your choosing. Just search for Geekville Radio. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, I, uh, Stitcher, uh, iHeartRadio, uh, pretty much you name it. And Nostalgia Trip is its own feed. So you can search for Geekville Radio and you should be able to come up with Geekville Radio's Nostalgia Trips. Looking forward to hearing from you if there's anything you want us to talk about as far as shows, movies, or pop culture from yesteryear. Drop us a line at Geekville Radio on the social medias, both Facebook and Twitter. For Geekville Radio. So I'm going to shut out the lights here in the Geekville Radio studios and we'll talk to you folks again next time.